everyone on this cell tv this is a great interview we resonate on some topics that are life-changing for you all this is absolutely important information hormones and beyond but i talk about my lack of belief in fish oil i finally found someone else that resonates with me on this but we dig in to seed oils, the dangers, and how this can disrupt your ability to burn fat. As a matter of fact, we talk about how these fats can be stored as fats and it can lead to weight loss resistance, other hormone problems. Wait till you see this video. And the good part is, is we give you simple things you can do now. Check it out. Welcome to Cellular Healing TV. I'm Ashley Smith, and today we welcome Dr. Kate Shanahan, author of the classic book, Deep Nutrition, and her new book, The Fat Burn Fix. Dr. Kate joins us today to discuss how the number one most important health factor is whether you can burn your body fat or not. More important than smoking, exercise, family history, or even sleep, and how toxic body fat actually protects itself by causing sugar cravings. This is a fascinating topic and I can't wait to hear more. So let's get started and welcome Dr. Kate Shanahan and of course, Dr. Pompa. Welcome both of you. Welcome. Hi, Dr. Pompa. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, gosh, I love all of these topics, man. I mean, these are some of my big pet peeves, right? I mean, I just, I can't <laughs> wait to dig in. How many people are eating bad fats that are causing everything that was just mentioned. You know, I, I just could not agree more. And people have no clue, even for those of you watching this, it could be you because even healthy people are getting saturated with what they think are healthy fats. So we're gonna, we're gonna explore that a little bit deeper, but uh, gosh, you know, Dr. Kate, I couldn't agree more. It's like, it's, it is, I love that. It's, it's more important than smoking. It's more important than, all of these things that we think are important, the ability to burn fat. What a great title of the book, because I, I say this, you could judge how healthy you are by your ability to burn your own body fat. Absolutely, yep. 100%. I mean, there's nothing more important than that because that's what gives you energy. And you can't, your cells don't live very long if they don't get energy. So, if we are jeopardizing our energy supply to our cells, we are jeopardizing our cells' ability to function in the, you know, to even survive. And so I love that right behind you, fix the cell, get well. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about fuel the cell, but, you know, it's the same idea. That's, you know, the, the same root cause, I think, as we touched on just, a, you know, before we started the conversation is that these, uh, companies have been feeding us seed oils and if we're not paying attention if we don't know what they are we're probably eating them i can almost guarantee yeah, absolutely we'll, we're going to talk about that so hang in there everybody we're going to get there you know well you know when we look at this being more dangerous than everything i mean you know everything that you mentioned there um you know people have to understand that when we look at cancer we know it's a metabolic problem, meaning really the inability to use your fat, your own body fat for energy, right? And when we look at, you know, obviously the explosion of diabetes, I mean, all these conditions, this is what we're talking about. This is a cellular issue to your point, right? This is your cell's inability to take your own body fat when you're not eating, burn it up. And, you know, obviously it keeps you lean, but again, if you're someone out there that gets hangry, that says, I just need to eat. Oh, and by the way, I see, I hang with healthy people. I see them eating all the time. But see, if you ask them how many meals Dr. Kate they ate, they would say, oh, I just eat two meals a day. I eat three meals a day. But I see them shoveling food the whole time. Oh, and it's the drinks too. But they say organic and they're healthy kombuchas, right? but they're, they're constantly feeding the beast because truthfully, their mitochondria, their cells are not able to use their own fat successfully. No. So therefore it's nuts, it's this, it's that. All organic, of course, do you see the same thing? And, and even though it's healthy, is that a problem still? 
I do see it all the time. And yes, absolutely, it's a problem. And part of the reason that people will tell you, they'll look at you like straight in the face even and say, oh, I hardly eat anything. But as they're carrying around a big like Starbucks frappuccino, which with has 400 calories, because here's why. I mean, I, I, I always am like, what's going on? Why, how could they not like literally see that? And once I came to understand the habit and the way our metabolism is driving our, our hunger and misleading us into thinking that, well, if we were hungry or e even worse, if we were tired or even, even more powerful, if we had brain fog or were irritable and we ate something, doesn't that mean that our last meal wasn't, I mean, I'm sorry, and we ate something and when that makes us feel better, it'll, it'll alleviate yeah, um, doesn't that mean that my last meal wasn't big enough? So I kind of deserve, I kind of need this or I'm, you know, I'm behind. I'm not getting enough energy because I'm not eating enough calories. And so the, uh, the math, you know, doesn't happen it, because unless you're, you know, let's face it, unless you're a biohacker or you really know amounts, you're not going to know. It's hard to figure out how many calories you're actually eating. So you have to go by how you feel. Absolutely. And, and that's what I, I try to help um, people do in the book, The Fat Burn Fix, is help them understand what's, what they're feeling, recognize what they're feeling for what it is, which is a, a, medical, a signal of a metabolic disaster where yeah. you can't burn your own body fat. And that happens if you get these hangry symptoms, if it's not just ordinary stomach grumbling hunger that if you get busy, drink a glass of water, it just goes away because it's not an emergency. The difference is that if you get hangry or have brain fog, most of the time it just doesn't go away at all unless something really like buzzes your adrenaline out because adrenaline helps you dig down and get release a little bit more body fat, release, even though you might have insulin resistance, the adrenaline helps fight against that. And it also helps you convert, um, you know, get, get your blood sugar up as well. So mm -hmm. it, if you, but for the most part, that doesn't happen in a normal morning at work. You get your, you know, you have your breakfast, maybe early seven, eight, six, seven, eight. Um, and, and then by mid morning, 10, you're kind of having a little lull in your energy. And that's when a lot of people with with the worst weight problems, by which I mean, they've just tried so many times, they've gained and they've lost, or the worst metabolic problems, by which I mean, they're on their way to getting cancer, but they don't Absolutely. even know it. Mm -hmm. They don't even know it. Because everybody, I say this because everybody I know who's had cancer at like a young age, um, you know, in their 30s or 40s, they were snackers or grazers. And, you know, in retrospect, it didn't, it didn't even register as, as a thing, but in retrospect on like kind of like deep analysis of their what they did oh yeah i carried something around in my purse or i i had a bunch of stuff stashed in my car or in my drawers even if their weight was normal and so this th this is such an important sign that no that we is trying to tell us it's our body's trying to tell us hey i'm in trouble yeah and we have to pay attention to it and that's what i i i have a a bunch of chapters devoted to that and even worksheets devoted to assessing your hunger, assessing what kind of symptoms are you getting when you're hungry? Because there's, a, there's 11 of them that are kind of like super common flags that your metabolism is not in good shape and you are not able to burn your body fat. And I just have to excuse my hair because people always comment on my hair when I can't get to my hairdresser. And I have not got, I'm way overdue. So I know. I, I have to ask this question. We're so <laughs> off top. What, what are their comments about your hair? Like your hair looks thick and healthy. What's going oh, on? Oh, hey, thank you, Dr. Bompa. Um, oh, we, they'll, they'll say like, uh, well, one was like, it looked like a cow licked her head. And um, yeah. And another one uh, is, uh, it's asymmetrical and oh my, oh my gosh. god I, i've been tortured by my hair let me tell you something I, I hear people say 
no matter what, people are critical, right? I, mean, <laughs> I, I get, I mean, you know, I, I get it all the time. So who cares, right? You know, it's funny. I love you already just because you're, you know, just the fact that you pointed that out. I, I just, I, you know, I just absolutely love and adore you now. I, you know, I always say my wife, it's like, you know, brain mouth, right? It's like, she thinks it, it comes out, right? It was like, that's what just happened there. Like you thought you, you, you fluffed your hair and immediately it just came right out. I love it. Uh, now we're having fun, see? Uh, this is a huge topic. I, I really, we, you and I resonate so well on this on every aspect. It, it's amazing. I, I feel like we're kind of uh, in the healthy world. And that's most of my viewers, those looking to get healthier and do healthy things. But you know, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, there's so many people who don't understand these concepts that we're, we're talking about here. You know, so, okay, I want people to understand one thing, and you, you kind of said it, so I'm just kind of, you know, proofing what you just said, but Please. this isn't a fat, skinny thing. You know, this happens to skinny right. people, fat people, you know, and it's like, you know, the, the bigger danger here is, you know, yes, this can keep you from burning your own fat, you can gain weight, weight loss resistance, you know, all the cravings, failure on every diet. Yes, this is what this is the reason why. But you could be the skinny person who tends to, when they're not able to burn their fat, they burn their muscle, right? So you get what I call skinny really? fat with fatty organs, and arguably more dangerous, right? And they, these people end up with cancer just the same. I, I think you're right. The long-term game here is obviously all these hormone issues people have along the way, not feeling well, not sleeping, anxiety, blah, blah, blah. But cancer is absolutely the, the scariest part of this. And you said that. You said that people end in cancer. All right. So let's, you know, the, talk about my book and your book really, you know, jive well together. And, and most people watching this have my book, Beyond Fasting, because this is all my diet variation fasting strategies is kind of how, you know, I utilize and fix this problem. Nice. You know, and, you know, your, your book just kind of perfect. I love those, those symptoms. So let's talk a little bit about some of the symptoms and everyone should get your book and we'll make sure we have the link there. But talk about some of these other symptoms besides hangry, besides hungry. Um, what are these symptoms? Anxiety is a big one. So uh, I, I just kind of threw that off because I knew that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anxiety, um, you know, is, is brought on partly by... By, by two aspects of this, right? So one is that when your brain is not getting enough energy, um, thought is slowed down or it's distorted and disturbed. And that is very anxiety provoking, especially if you're in a new circumstance, like you just started a job or you're trying to find, you're driving um, and you're trying to find a place you've never been to before. It, it's super anxiety provoking when your brain is not working right. And then the other part of how all of this drives anxiety is that in order to get energy to your brain, your body releases adrenaline and adrenaline, it makes you, you know, jittery and anxiety prone. And, you know, you, you can kind of get lost and perseverate on your failures or your bad thoughts or your bad feelings when you've got too much adrenaline in your system. So yeah. that's a, that's a huge and, one. And, and, and by I, the way, cortisol, it'll just drive up cortisol, which can drive anxiety because absolutely. glucose follows cortisol. And I want, want people listening to be clear. The reason that, you know, she's talking about this is because your brain can only use glucose for energy unless it burns fat, your own fat for energy, and then it makes ketones and the brain can use ketones. So if you don't, are not able to burn your own fat for energy, guess what it needs? Glucose. So if you're not eating, guess what it does? Anxiety, right? You know, so it's either cortisol or adrenaline to get the glucose to the brain. Am I right? Absolutely. Both of those do the job. And the way I look at the difference is that like cortisol is kind of like the slow motion version of adrenaline, right? Like True. adrenaline, you can have a thought and boom, oh. it'll, it'll, yeah, exactly. And you can feel your heart pounding and stuff like that. But cortisol is more like on a continual daily basis, it kind of goes up. And then if you are chronically stressed, it's you, all your cortisol rhythms get off. And as I'm sure you've talked about, um, 
So that's anxiety. And then the next one is brain fog. And these are super duper related. Obviously you're not getting energy to your brain. So you might be staring at work and this is in a different kind of circumstance. You're not necessarily in some sort of intense, I got to figure it out situation, but more in like a slow kind of boring -er situation where, oh, I can't wait for lunch. Uh, and then you're just staring at your job, at, uh, your tasks that you have to do or whatever it is. And it just, you can't get your head wrapped around it the way that you feel that you would like to, to get the stupid thing in front of you done. That's that's brain fog and that's how it happens. And that's again for low brain energy. Um, and, uh, and then another one is dizziness. And in fact, so such severe dizziness can happen that people actually have um, nausea and, and vertigo, like they can't, they have to sit down. So vertigo is a kind of severe dizziness where um, this seems like the room is spinning or you have to hang on to something, you lose your balance. And I've had a couple of folks who have, when their blood sugar drops, and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, because they can't burn their body fat, their blood sugar can drop from say like 110, which is just a little bit high, to something like you know 80, which is actually within normal. And I'll, I'll see that happen because I do continuous glucose monitors with some of my patients. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll be the moment where they, they're like, oh my God, I'm getting one of my dizzy spells, I have to sit down. And so the, the fix for that is being able to burn your body fat. So that's another super common one. Um, and then uh, heart palpitations are also very, very common, right. again, because of the adrenaline. Mm -hmm. um, shaking because of the adrenaline. You can also get cold uh, extremities, or some people have told me that they feel cold all over, but cold hands um, because also uh, the adrenaline, well, the adrenaline makes you shaky, but it also shuts down blood flow to the extremities. And um, also just having an uh, inadequate energy supply or disordered metabolism, your blood flow is disordered. So you can have uh, all kinds of problems related to that. And this isn't, this is a, a more in the long term. you can actually get erectile dysfunction, you know, sexual dysfunction, because that's hugely blood flow dependent of too. Yeah. So, um, but nausea is another super, co super common side effect. Um, and uh, so those are, those are some of the most about, uh, waking up in the middle of the night because people wake up in the middle of the night because your brain's going, I'm not getting glucose. Why? Because when you and I are sleeping and Ashley, um, we're burning our fat for energy. It takes tremendous amounts of energy to sleep for your brain. Right. Yeah. And when the brain's not getting glucose because you can't burn fat, right. And make ketones. So then what does it do? Uh Oh, I'm going to die. So guess what? It, lights up cortisol or adrenaline and guess what you do you wake up <laughs> so exactly. your body saved its life it Huge. saves its brain but exactly. you wake up but, and go i can't sleep and now you can't sleep which puts makes it worse for the cortisol so it's a vicious cycle it's a downward spiral and now that i've been doing the uh continuous glucose monitors i actually see that the lowest time for a lot of what happens when a lot of folks um have these issues where they can't burn their body fat your blood sugar will drop somewhere between midnight and six and it'll be at you know low for you which is too low for your brain and there'll be like a little dip and then i'll see it come back up again as that cortisol spikes and i'll know that that's the time when somebody probably got woken up and couldn't get back to sleep of course all right, let's, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about how toxins cause this cellular problem where we can't burn our own fat for energy, et cetera, et cetera. And I teach deeply on how bad fats can cause the cell membrane to have problems. That's where the hormone receptors are, and that causes problems in the mitochondrial membrane. Yet, I think that, you know, people still don't get it. So let's make them get it. Okay, so you mentioned seed oils, right? Um, these are polyunsaturated fats. Why would these be a causative factor um, for this problem? Because they're unstable. So very simply, that they, it means that they have a tendency to react with oxygen and turn, when they do that, they turn into toxins. So it's, it's like it's, a latent toxic compound. And, and there are, these are toxins with long names like 4 hydroxy 
nonanol and 4-hydroxyhexanol, they are known cytotoxins. You put them in in micromolar concentrations, meaning like one one millionth of a, a drop, and that they can kill cells with that little concentration. So they're not necessarily containing those toxins when you buy them, although the tests almost universally show that they have degraded. They're that unstable. They don't even stay stable in the shelf. It's true. Um, and then they become even less stable when you, when they get into your body, because now they're interacting with uh, all kinds of other chemicals that, and the more that there are, it's like, uh, you know, it's like flint and oxygen, and it just starts a fire basically. And it's That's literally right. what it is because it is burning. It's an oxygen reaction. And so it just, it, it, it causes all kinds of problems, not just the fact that we have these toxins form, but even if uh, on the way to, um, uh, on the way to calming down these toxic reactions, you have something called free radical cascades. And these are things that are like a domino effect of damage in a cell membrane. So it's one little molecule reacts with oxygen and within a matter of a single second, you can have 9 billion other of the fatty acids in that same cell's membrane, one single second, all become damaged and dysfunctional. And wow. that's going to take out a huge chunk of that cell's membrane, and it's not going to be able to function normally for a while till that gets fixed. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and I, I have a, a, a PowerPoint. I, I, I was telling you this. It says 132 days of dysfunction. Because when you eat these rancid seed oils, they make their way in, or vegetable oil, canola oil, so I, you know, it's a seed, but anyway, they make their way into the cell membrane and literally create 132 days on average of dysfunction. That's basically what you're describing, you know, that these things get into your body. So, uh, okay, so I know my viewers right now are going, oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what are these oils, right? You know, so give us, and I know you list them in your book. But give us the oils to stay away from. You know, well, can I eat, you know, organic oil? Can I do this? Can I do that? So what do we eat and how do we get the safe oils? Which ones are? Talk about it. Yeah, those are also such important questions. So they're really literally the thing that can save your life. So there's three C's and three S's. And I want everybody to try and remember them. These are the most common seed oils. So we've got canola, corn, cotton seed soy, sunflower, safflower. Those are the most common that you're going to find. They are also- yeah, I love that, three S's, three C's. Yeah. That's beautiful because I tell people those, I, I'm not smart enough to do that. that you know, that's great. You <laughs> actually remember them now. <laughs> okay. My boss came up with that. Like, so like I got hired this current job. Okay, so you're not smart enough either. We, we no, he came boss. up with that. So I'm, I, he gets props for that. Yeah, I was doing it all out of order. I was like, well, canola is kind of the most important. Yeah, 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 yeah me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> So they, and they're also known as, a, as the industrial term vegetable oil. So yeah. vegetable oil refers to any one of those six Correct. oils, not to broccoli and peas, right? It's, it's great branding <laughs> on the part of like Unilever and Monsanto and all the folks who grow this stuff because this, it sounds healthy because vegetables, who could be against that? Um, and my gosh, if you squeeze oil out of vegetables, that sounds like you're taking the goodness out. Don't yeah. believe it. <laughs> It's Sounds the, really healthy, actually. Yeah, right. It does. Um, and but but it's referring to those three C's and three S's. And and then when you go to restaurants, there's a couple more. It's kind of like A E I O U and sometimes Y. Well, the sometimes Y of the vegetable oils are um, rice bran oil and um, grapeseed oil, and, and those are it's the same idea. They are super highly polyunsaturated. And they generally are also highly processed because the, the seeds don't want to give up these oils yeah. and they have to be extracted under high heat pressure, often with a solvent like hexane, which is an yeah. ingredient in gasoline. And then it has to be removed. So that's the refining, bleaching, and deodorizing steps. And so that is where you strip out any shred of nutrition. So that's why 
I can still say, go ahead and have, you know, sunflower seeds. Um, or, or, you know, I'm not even, I'm not one of those people that's against soy. I'm, I'm sure you stand on that one, but you know, so, soy in moderation is fine. Like any other vegetable moderation, I feel like. Yeah, when, I mean, a non-GMO soy, you know, yeah. people say, oh, what about the phytoestrogens? It's, it's fine. And those amounts. Yeah, exactly. If you're basing your life on it, it's another story. You shouldn't do that with really anything. But, um, but, uh, so yeah. So if you want to consume it in soy, it, it's fine because it's still going to have the vitamins that stable, that the seed uses right. to stabilize the, in, you know, to control the oxidation reactions to keep it stable. Um, so there's all kinds of vitamins, antioxidants and minerals that, that are in the seed, but they get stripped out. So they're uh, not in the, yeah, and, and um, my oils. saying there is, Oh, I'm not against vegetable oil when it's in vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. seed oils when it's in seeds, because to your point, all these protective measures are there. So, and I, I just want to, you know, polyunsaturated fatty acid, polyunsaturated fatty acids are very, very, very unstable. To your point, they're denatured right out of the gate, right? So, and that's what we're talking about here. So when you look at your olive oil, you could say, well, where does that fit in? It's a mono. It's mostly monounsaturated. It can take heat better, right? Saturated fats can take heat even more. Polyunsaturated, just to be clear, are what you're re referencing. So, Absolutely. And I have, since this is such an important part of my message, I have um, a, uh, my, my website, one of the main um, accessed uh, pages on it is my list of good fats and bad so if you just google dr kate list of good fats and bad it it should come right, right up um, and, and and it helps you know it's a something you can take a picture of keep it on your phone and refer to it and then the, the document itself kind of explains a lot of it because i'm sure you've been through this dr pompa but do you probably get attacked by you know dietitians and people who believe that canola oh, yeah. oil is somehow special because it's got omega-3 fatty acids or that don't understand, you know, they don't understand what what they're talking about, honestly, when they say, even say polyunsaturated fatty acids and, um, you know. Well, you know, I, I get attacked even worse than that because, and I don't even know where you stand on this and it's okay if we disagree. Fish oil is a polyunsaturated fatty acid. So my saying here is I love fish oil when it's in fish, but, <laughs> but I hate fish oil. So again, yeah. you know, I get hate mail, but I, Listen, I've dug at the studies. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. But anyway, where do you stand on that? I know. I totally agree. So I'm happy to hear you say that because wow. um, okay. it is kind of like an outlier position because everybody it feels is. like, oh, it's the antidote, you know, because there's so much talk about the ratio of omega-6 and omega-3 and omega-3 being like, okay, well, now we need to supplement with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would, I would love it if, that, if it were that simple, but really what it looks like is that you just have to stop eating so many of the seed oils, like, uh, you know, right. in, including canola with omega-3, but- And grain-fed meat throws that ratio off. It's grain-fed yes. meat is loaded with six. So to your point, they say Americans are 21, six to one, three, meaning way too much six. Yet look, my study of the membrane is, the omega-6 is the king of the membrane. It's the most important actually. So it's not that omega-6 is bad, we're eating all of these vegetable oils, seed oils, grain-fed yeah. meats, which we're now we're our six dominant. We want a better ratio than that, but that doesn't mean you eat more three. You know, no. point, I think exactly yeah. because what happens is so. If we want to talk just for a second about how it builds up in our bodies, you you talk about how it builds up in your cell membranes. It builds up in our body fat too, and yeah. to a massive amount. Like the cells do their best to regulate the um, uh, the um, the polyunsaturated fat content that they have because sure. they they've got a recipe that they're trying to follow and they do their best. And when they say no to those polyunsaturates, where does it go? Well, you can't get rid of it. It goes to your body fat. There's only two ways to get rid of it. You, you have to burn it or it can come out and like, if you're, if you're a woman, you can um, feed it to your babies through breast milk, but um, you have to, you have to burn it. And so until you can burn it, it has to be stored. And of course it's stored in your body fat. Right. Now, if we look at how much was in there a hundred years ago before there were all these industrial seed oils, before 
um, plant fats were 80% of our fat calories when they were, when they were really just like 10 to 20% and the rest of it came from animals. Um, our body fat had about, you know, two, three, maybe 5% polyunsaturated fatty acid. Now, when they do biopsies, it has up to 25% wow. and, and wow. some maybe even as high as 30 because the last study was done when the average consumption of this stuff was a lot lower and it, our body fat percentage of PUFAs almost exactly mirrors our dietary percentage of PUFAs. And, and right now for some people, that's 30%. Wow. So your body fat's going to be 30% this stuff. And that, that, what that does, and one of the things that kind of like is, is the most important study in the book, The Fat Burn Fix, is a study I found that shows what happens when these things are the fuel for your mitochondria. When it gets released from your body fat, um, now your, your mitochondria are going to burn it. They can't say no either. These things right. will get into your cells and get into your mitochondria, and then they, your mitochondria will try to burn them. And what happens is it shuts down the mitochondria's ability to produce energy. So we're talking about the energy powerhouses of every single cell in your body. If your body fat has too much PUFA in it, then every time you're trying to burn your body fat, you're going to the gym and working out, you are damaging your mitochondria. You're shutting down your cells energy production from fat. And what do they have as a backup plan? Sugar. Yeah, there's now, now we're leading to cancer, diabetes, heart disease, all the number one killers. Is exactly. And what you feel is that hypoglycemia. You feel that like if you're, that's because you're, it's not because you need to regulate your blood sugar by eating. It's because your body is so dependent on sugar that you can't get enough in your bloodstream to feed all the cells that need some at any given moment in time because blood sugar is regulated. That's what diabetes is when we can't regulate our blood sugar anymore, type 2 diabetes. And so if you are a non-diabetic, you can only have about three quarters of a teaspoon of sugar in your bloodstream at any given time, which is about three grams, which is about 12 calories. <laughs> so, I mean, how much exercise can you do burn as a sugar burner, right? You have to have tons of glycogen in your muscle and that's, the, that's how your muscles store sugar. And so all, if you're an athlete or, you know, uh, into fitness, all of these studies that talk about, oh my God, you need, you need to have glycogen, you need carbo, carbo loading is so important to fill up the glycogen. Those are done in people who have this problem that I'm describing where they can't burn their body fat because they live in America. All we right. all eat too much of this stuff unless we are looking out for them. So they can't, our athletes even, even yeah. this is, goes oh, back yeah. to the skinny, skinny Ab people. Absolutely. I mean, look, I, I, you know, I can go, I'll, typically I don't even eat my first meal until three or four. I, half the time, I, I just, I'm not hungry. You know, I'm going through, matter of fact, the busier I am, I don't even know because my body's eating from its body fat. That's it. I mean, so it's doing its job. But to your point, I love that explanation of, you know, how these fats end up being burned into mitochondria. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, that was well said. I mean, that, that really files up you know, the whole system of why you can't burn your own fat. And it, yeah, it damages the mitochondria. So it helps you understand where we get all these mitochondrial diseases from, yeah. right? Cancer, we uh, know is a bit of mitochondrial disease, but neurodegenerative diseases like multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's and these serious so you think, I mean, everybody watching this, everybody that, you know, that knows a little bit about health, would, we all would agree and understand that sugar is part of the metabolic issue. Do you feel this is a bigger issue that these fats are causing than sugar to the mitochondria? Because everyone's, oh, the sugar is why the mitochondria is failing, leads to cancer. But yes. is this the bigger problem? I, I, I do understand that is the bigger problem as the bigger problem now. Like when I first started, when I actually, when I wrote Deep Nutrition, I was like, well, they're both really bad, just to yeah, avoid both right, of them. Yeah. But, but I, I really feel that this is worse because yeah. 
Me too, by the way. Me too. I, we're, we're, we are, we're on this very small island. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very small. Island with just a couple people, I don't know. Yeah, so a bunch of crazy like Gilligan's Island. And one day, we'll, one day they'll rescue us. <laughs> and they'll be like, thank you. <clears throat> That's my fantasy anyway. Yeah. But um, so yeah, because like if you eat too much sugar, you store it as fat. Yeah, that's not great, but your body can control what kind of fat it's stored as. And it can store it as saturated and monounsaturated fat. In fact, that it's that's how it stores. It has to store it that way. We can't, we can't store sugar in the form of sugar in our body fat. It gets mm -hmm. converted to fat. And well, we can't make polyunsaturated fatty acids. That's why we do need some in our diet, which is why this whole topic is so confusing to you know people who have a little bit of information. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we have to get it from where it's protected because it's so fragile. That's why, I you know seeds are great, and you, but you get some of the polyunsaturated fats that you need, and you get it in you know in a protected form. Yes, exactly, and you know. Um, when we talk about like uh, the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, I was looking at some of the um, like traditional cultures that would, would be getting a lot of uh, potentially, a, you know, a lot of fat. How much omega-3 are they getting? And so, because um, somebody posted a really good question on, um, on one of my websites about, you know, well, what about like the Eskimos? Because if you're saying omega-3 is so bad, and, and Eskimos get a lot of their fat from salmon or, you know, they said salmon, but actually they really also got a ton of it from seal. What's the composition they there? They so more from seal, truthfully. <laughs> to your point. Yeah. So that actually, according to what I could find, seals have a huge amount of uh, highly unsaturated polyunsaturated fatty acids, like the omega-3s, the, the long chain ones, and they've got somewhere, you know, at least like 15%, which is a huge amount of that extremely unstable. Some, some parts of them may even have as much as 20%, but it's totally different because the, they ate it without cooking it. And it was cold all the time so that it, the, the reactions were slower. And the fish themselves can have all this polyunsaturated fatty acid, and uh, in their body fat, and the seals can, because they're in freezing cold Arctic water, and it's the temperature that really has a huge impact on, on you know, the, the nature and the constitution of your body fat. You know, what I'm saying is like basically the recipe for your body fat. What is the right amount of saturated, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated? And human beings who are in, you know, we've got a warm environment most of the time because we wear clothes, um, we need a lot more mono, more of the stable stuff. Right. And so that's why when we eat too much sugar, that's what we make is the stable stuff. And so even though sugar is not, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of too much of anything, especially not sugar, but no. at least we can basically detoxify it as long sure. as we are not diabetic. We can still detoxify it by essentially getting it out of our bloodstream, getting it out of our tissues and storing it in safe, um, haven in our body fat in the form of saturated monounsaturated fat. Right. Yeah. Good point. Right. So the sugars we have, you know, avenues to burn it or store it as saturated or monosaturated. These uh, fats we don't. Okay. So you know, you kind of tipped, uh, you know, into this fish oil conversation, right? Fish oil is like antifreeze, right? I mean, they they're cold water, yes. right? You know, so. Um, how much do we really need? I've interviewed uh, Brian Peskin on the show. He found me because he heard me talking about the dangers of fish oil and the cell membranes. But, you know, he talks a lot about um, the parent fats, which are your um, alpha linoleic, linoleic acids, right? Your omega-3 uh, omega and omega-6, the parent yeah. fats. But what people don't understand is we have the ability to make DHA from those fats. They're called the derivatives, right? So, um, meaning that we don't need fish oil. Otherwise, what about people inland? They would die, wouldn't they? Because they didn't have access to fish. They didn't have trucks that would bring it in. <laughs> but, you know, when we look at these parent fats, you know, the alpha linoleic acid and then the linoleic acid, you can take those and make these other fats you know, that people say are so important. The brain needs very little, actually. I mean, you know, the brain needs DHEA or, you know, some of these omega-3s more, but it's not as what people think. Talk a little bit about that. 
So, so we can make it. I, I want to talk about why for a second, just like why it, you hear it said so often that we can't elongate it. Um, that's because when you do studies in a situation where you don't recognize that the animals you're studying are getting too much pufa and it's not or or and or they're getting trans yeah, fat. You said pufa, that's polyunsaturated fatty acids. So Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pufas yeah. are polyunsaturated fatty acids. Now you can say pufa all you want. Okay. <laughs> that's the best. Pufas go poof. They're unstable. That's how I, I like to help all people right, remember it. Um, so, so, um, the animals are fed, you know, animal chow that's made of corn oil. So they are being studied and, and this is how they've come to a lot of conclusions that, oh, well, animals can't extend, humans even can't extend a lengthen. They're taking a, the parent molecule being at eight, 18 carbons and the, the ones that your brains are made out of being made out of, you know, 20, 22, 24, um, but that, that can't happen in, in animals, including humans, who have too much trans fat in our diet or too much omega-6 because we have damaged enzymes. And, and there's an, a very important enzyme for this elongation process um, that called, uh, I think it's either delta-9 or delta-6 desaturates. I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I wrote the book, Deep Nutrition, uh, where I talked about it. But um, that enzyme is knocked out by trans fat and by high levels of, of PUFA and oxidation. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why we have this kind of, I guess, mythology out there that, oh no, you do have to supplement with the long chain stuff if you can't uh, eat it. That was well said actually, um, because you're right. So when we looked at some of these original studies, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, the, so little is converted. We, you know, that's why we need it, right? We have to take fish oil, DHA, and da da da. It's like, but to your point, you know, they didn't look what was broken. You know, what was stopping right. the conversion. You know, that enzyme is affected, to your point, by these bad, unstable fats. So interesting. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting way. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, so that's like one of the missing pieces in so much mm -hmm. medical or nutrition research is that when they talk about, you know, animal studies, especially the animal chow is the fat is generally corn oil. Mm -hmm. uh, and they feed, and them, they feed them corn, grain, GMO too, and all the bad yes, stuff. Yes, exactly. It's and and of course it's you know, stale and everything about it is not what the animal would eat given the choice. So the animals are every bit as damaged as we are, as the oh, yeah. people that, you know, we're trying to, that they're trying to do all these experiments to help, you know, people who are metabolically damaged because of their diet. Well, they're giving the animals the same diet. So, so much of the research is skewed and confusatory because of that. It's almost like it's fake science. It's really, really, really crazy. And and you know what do you do about that? How do you even prove anything? That that gets to the topic of our first book. My husband and I wrote the first book together, Deep Nutrition. We talk about what is it that you know. We talk about nutrition science as if we're we're coming up with it today. You know, as if we need randomized, epidemiologically, you know, controlled studies to know anything at all about nutrition. There's yeah. no science, no valid science beyond what we put in our medical journals. Wait a second. People were healthier a hundred years ago. Why don't we just do what they did? And, and how can we figure that out? Do we have to, you know, do like, a double blind placebo study? Right. We can look at cookbooks. So that's what my husband and I did. We lo I looked at dozens and dozens and dozens of cookbooks um, written in English from all the countries I could get in English from 17 and 1800. And then I also watched a lot of travel shows uh, about um, indig indigenous culture. Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a cool way of doing it. First of all, they were cooking with lard, but they were eating grass-fed animals. <laughs> so totally different Right? Yeah. They weren't cooking. They didn't even have vegetable oils. What are you kidding Right, me? right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing. And to your point as well is what studies actually have done is really screwed this whole thing up because we're studying, you know, broken people. 
we're yeah. studying, you know what I'm saying? We're studying broken animals, right? We're studying, right. you know, saturated fats are bad. Oh, it's like studies have gotten us in trouble. It's like, what did they do when heart disease berries existed? Were they were eating a lot of saturated fats. What they weren't doing is eating these oils that we're talking about. You know, this isn't, this isn't rocket science. Uh, you know, yeah. a, a question just popped into my mind before, I, before you said that other thing, and I have to ask it. And this is for our, our people who have struggled losing weight. Because we store the, we either burn these pupas, <laughs> we're going to call them pupas now, um, or we store them as fat. So when they are stored as fat, we know that our good fat, like stored fat, we get, you know, saturated or mono, those we can access and burn. Does our body have trouble taking the stored pupas and burning it? So this is, could, does this end up to be the fat we can't burn, the cellulite, the bad fat? There's a researcher I spoke to at UC Davis, Frances Sladek, who she felt that they do have like a uh, bioaccumulation effect in our bodies that they, they seem to maybe perhaps be less preferentially um, released compared to the, the other reason, fat. The reason I asked the question, because I, I didn't know the answer. I, I, you know, sometimes you ask questions you know and you want them to know, right? But it's like, I didn't know the answer. But the reason I came to the question is because of my major premise. The body, all it wants to ever do is survive, right? So, it, you know, it knows that these oils are not good for their mitochondria. And if it, it has to burn them in the mitochondria and it damages the mitochondria, and when the intelligence reached for the mono and the saturated stored fats first, that was my thought. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I, I love that you do that, like that kind of like, well, if I were the body, what would make sense to me? And, and that's, that's guided a lot of my thought processes because it too. seems as though nature's pretty darn smart and it's kind of smarter, way smarter than us. Yes um it's it's been you know at this game for a very long time and very successful um and and so i like that is exactly how i think about it and so uh, i was actually i didn't know how to go about pursuing the answer to that question but i kind of i, I was just having a conversation around this woman's research with her mm -hmm. and and she just spontaneously um mentioned that and and like i i was like oh well that is just totally fascinating mm -hmm. and it, it does make sense in that paradigm and uh, there there's a way to look it up it has to do with um the kind of um different kind of enzymes some that were only just recently discovered that you know have a, a tent a preference for certain fatty acids at certain location in the triglyceride but um i i haven't done it um <clears throat> but what i have done is um decided, so this is a hypothesis, that what happens is when there is a certain concentration of these PUFAs, so when you've been eating seed oils, when you're a baby, your body fat is kind of as nature would have had it, right? You have more of that ideal concentration. But as time goes on and we keep eating more seed oils every day, day after day, year after year, the concentration does go up in our body fat. And there's studies that reflect this. Yeah, so, you're saying 25% versus 2% yes. which is normal. Okay. Yes. And so, you know, after a certain number of decades, then it does very much reflect your dietary consumption. And so um, what happens is the fat cells then are inflamed. And so we have this, uh, we have this conversation around inflammatory fat and omental fat, as if it's only the omental fat. But I think a lot of folks who have enough seed oils in their body fat mm -hmm. have every fat cell is inflammatory because we know this, that they, this, these fat cells are not healthy. They don't produce the right hormones and they don't respond normally to hormones and they are, they're incontinent. Mm -hmm. They can't hang on to fat. And so that they will release it all the time and between meals even, even in spite of the fact that there's too much insulin in the bloodstream and a healthy fat cell would normally be keeping that in there. And that's when people really get into trouble with their arteries, when your fat cells can no longer keep a hold of the fat that they're supposed to be storing and they're incontinent and basically just goes, goes in for a little bit and then it comes back out into the arteries. You aren't burning it for energy because the cells don't want it, they're getting sugar that's when a person is in such a bad metabolic state, they start having heart attacks and strokes. 
and they have a real trouble regulating their blood sugar at that point. They get to where they're just very, very metabolically damaged and fragile. And they are at that point, a, a ticking time bomb. And that can happen in your forties. If you've had enough of these PUFAs in, in your life. When I was in medical school, type two diabetes was kind of like a little more common than type one. Mm. So, okay. Yes. I'm, I'm in my age. But, um, but it, you know, it was for elderly people or it was genetic, but now we're seeing it, you know, so common in people in their thirties and yeah. even in children. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's got, there's just no way it can just be the carbohydrates that we're eating because I if agree. you look at the amount, <laughs> we're not eating I any agree. more carbohydrates than we were at the turn of the century. They're, they're different. There are, you know, more fructose, arguably, um, definitely more processed, but in terms of the volume, it's the same. But if you look at the amount of PUFA, we were eating somewhere around what was in our body fat, two to 3%. Now it's 10 times that much. And it's, really? that, the, how is that not like the first thing that people talk about when it comes to diet. It's just like, this is the outlier. I know, sure, sugar's not yeah. good for you. And, and you know, having a sweet tooth is, is not healthy, but you yeah. don't have a hope of curing your sweet tooth or seriously developing a healthy relationship with sugar while your body fat is forcing yourselves to be addicted to sugar. I, I couldn't have said it best. Gosh, I, we're going to have to have you back on. I mean, literally, <laughs> we are at the top of the show, and I'm going, gosh, I want to talk about this. I want to talk these fats disrupt the cell membrane. They affect your detox, right? It's like, you know, the reason people are failing on diets is because of this reason for what you just said, right? It's like, uh, Kate, we have to write a book together, but you know what? Let's, let's bring, I'm going to bring you back on the show, and I just want to continue this conversation. This is worthy of a part one, part two, honestly, because – you know, I, we are on right. to the bigger issue, and there's so few of us speaking this message. The yes. world needs to hear it. Folks, yes. get rid of these fats in your diet by Kate's book, right? I mean, you know, this is uh, very few people know this information. So, Dr. Kate, thank you so much for being on here. I can't wait to have you back. It's funny. Because at the top of the show, we thought you were on Cell TV already. <laughs> so it was, it was time. That's right. You're going to be on a second time. I'm going to make sure Ashley. Ashley will put the links in uh, for Dr. Kate. Dr. Kate, again, thank you for being on Cell Healing TV. Fix the cell. Thanks so much. All right. <laughs> this was fun. Thank yeah. you, Dr. Papa. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. This episode was brought to you by Cytodetox. Please check it out at buycytonow.com. We'll be back next week and every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. We truly appreciate your support. You can always find us at cellularhealing.tv. And please remember to spread the love by liking, subscribing, giving an iTunes review, and sharing the show with anyone you think may benefit from the information heard here. And as always, thanks for listening.